All right. Whee! We're live, and get, and we don't even need to do time dot is. Yeah. Weird. I know, right? Okay. <laughs> oh my god, we gotta address that in the podcast. Yeah, we do. All right. Lead the way. trans girl this i know or the holy bible tells me so she had such long hair and a great big beard and everyone around her thought that she was weird jesus was a communist this i believe because of the wisdom that i didn't receive she was popping up bread everywhere she went and people believed she was having sent far from it maybe she was just really clever Hello, hello, and welcome back to the Samaritan Soapbox. Woo! I'm Dunk, and I am currently looking at the face of my wonderful co-host, Divi. That's me. And it's very weird. It's so weird. Such a strange experience. We're in the same room, y'all. We are recording in person. Yes. First time ever. Yeah. Welcome to this historic moment. Um, I'm sure you'll tell your kids all about this day when you were listening to the podcast where Duncan Divi were in the same room. Yeah. I mean, if this is the exciting thing that you tell your kids someday, I, I do feel very sorry for you. But, you know. It's okay. Are you excited for this episode? I feel like that's weird to say in terms of what we're talking about. Yeah, honestly, I I think it's a, it's a bit weird. Um, yeah, it's a bit it's a bit like a, as I was saying earlier, like it's a bit like saying Happy Reconciliation Day. Um, there's just a a certain certain spiciness to it. I'm sorry, I gotta say it is very weird. Just like looking at your face when when doing this, rec- I you're usually a a screen. Also, I learned that Dunk doesn't look at my face when we're recording. Like, no. Dunk is looking at like levels or like something else. No, yeah, no, I, I don't, I don't pay attention to your face. I, and, I talk to yeah. either. And now because we're actually having a conversation, where we have to look at each other. Yeah, I'm con- like my brain is like split. I'm like conscious that we're like when I'm at home, I think I'm more conscious that I'm recording, and I'm like making a performance. But mm-hmm. now it feels like. I'm performing in a different way because I'm having a conversation. Yeah. It's like film versus theater. Sure. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know either. That's why I'm just like, sure. Um, if yeah. you hear, also, if you heard some globbering noises in the background, I'm just really hungry. <laughs> no, Dunk's dog is here. So that's what that is. Yeah. We got Zuko joining us today live in the recording studio. Third guest. Third guest. Or wait, no, we're not guests. So he's our guest. Yeah. And once again, with, with our guest, we have broken the they-thems only rule. I know. Well, we don't know. Zuko's unaware. <laughs> oh, Zuko is such a boy. Oh, okay. 
Zuko is such a boy. Like, he doesn't understand personal space or consent or... Oh my gosh, like... I hate that. I don't, I don't like these I don't like these definitions or values being ascribed to, to boyhood right now. Anyways. <laughs> Anyways. Shout out to all the boys listening there. Shout out to all the he-hims. We love you. Mm-hmm. Um, keep doing your... Your spiritual work, kings. <laughs> keep on learning things. Keep up that decolonization work, kings. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So anyway, I guess today we're talking a little bit about the updates that have been going on with um, the Wet'suwet'en uh, land disputes mm-hmm. and uh, pipeline bullshit. Yeah, all the bullshit. We have a lot of beef with a lot of this information, as anyone who would be paying attention does, I imagine. Yeah. Um, but why we really want to talk about this today is because recently I, I'm on the Yinta Access, like, email list, and they sent out one of those email updates, and they were like, oh, they're starting drilling, and it's like, fuck! No! Yeah. Yeah. They're starting drilling. The fight isn't necessarily over, but they're gonna start drilling very, very soon. Yeah. There was, I want to say, like, it's really, this is going to sound so cliche, but it's really true that hope is very important when it comes to, like, resistance and all those kinds of things, because you really are just fighting against all odds, and it can, at least for me, I can feel very hopeless, very easily, very frustrated, and it gets on my own, own mental health, but there was a quote from Eugene Kung, I believe, is how you say their name. And um, they're basically saying that as until the pipeline is like 100% complete, they can't use it. So we're going to keep fighting. Like, it's not over. And I imagine, you know, if you're someone who lives, um, like, near the Wedzinkwa, or, you know, that's very, very much in a real sense your home, you're not just going to stop. Like, you've been fighting for years. You're not going to stop now at this point. Or at least a lot of people don't seem like they're going to stop now. Um, which is good to hear. And I'm trying to keep my hopes up and trying to keep staying involved and, act- and active in what's going on. And I really encourage folks who are listening to do the same thing as well. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, I-, I don't think the people uh, living on these, these indigenous lands... Um, have the ability to stop fighting no um this is going to this is something that's going to continue happening um although yeah i don't think the rcmp is going to be backing down anytime either um we all know like you know when this and when this pipeline project was announced by tc energy um you know, they said that it was going to cost around 6.6 billion Canadian, um, which is about 5 billion uh, USD for our, our yeehaw listeners. <laughs> yeehaw. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, it's kind of one of those things of like, this, this process has been going on long enough. I think what the ultimate goal from my perspective was not necessarily to you know scare people away or to actually get people to like colonizers to believe 
that what they're doing is wrong because I don't think we're capable of actually highlighting that fact to them. I, I think they're very uh, much drinking their own Kool-Aid and wanting to believe that what they're doing is justified or they simply don't have the empathy to care. Um, but I think the the attempt was to, you know, delay this project enough and to make it so costly mm. that this project would need to be abandoned. Mm. Now, since the start of the protests and the retaliation, um, you know, around 2017, but really picking up um, in 2019, um, there has been no relents. In fact, it's, it's only been increasing. Um, you know, in November and December of 2021 alone, um, there were over 30 arrests that were made um, on the indigenous lands at the Gedanum checkpoint. Um, and uh, for that, the RCMP reportedly spent a total of, in Canadian dollars, $943,234. Purely on the dismantle of the indigenous blockade at the drill site. That's a lot of money. Mm. That's almost a million dollars spent of the RCMP budget. And on top of that, they created, um, what was it, the Community Industry Response Group, which was a unit founded in 2017 at the beginning of all this, um, and was an extension of the RCMP in British Columbia. Um, and, uh, you know, they're specifically known for undertaking repressive attacks against indigenous people, uh, specifically those protesting environmental sustainability or against pollution. Um, so these are basically RCMP. This is an RCMP action unit that is uh, basically for community industry response. You can kind of even see in that title, it's like these are literally just, it is a government-funded unit of a police function that is just for the protection of corporations and their material consumption. Like, it's pretty fucked up. <laughs> I don't know how much, like, I don't, I don't know how much nuance I can put into that. Like, it's, it's, it's quite simply put, it's, it's fucked up. And after, you know, several years, they're still pouring in this kind of money and doing these kind of things. It's, yeah, it's kind of hard to see where to go from there in the wider community yeah. for protest and resistance. And it shows you how much money they think they're going to make, or not think, like, they probably know they're going to make off of having a pipeline. Like, so I was hanging out with one of my friends, and she's from B.C., and she, I had brought up this story of the pipelines being built and specifically coastal gas links in the beginning of the drilling there. And she was just like, oh my gosh, thank you for bringing this up because no one in Ontario talks about this. No one in the rest of Canada talks about this. But as someone who grew up in BC, she really was adamant about how people who are from BC don't like that the government is being degrading towards the environment there even as someone who's a settler she had a relationship to that land that she grew up in and to nature um that she didn't want taken away 
and she expressed to me that when the government looks at BC, all they see is dollar signs. And that just shows how much the government, the CEO of RBC, all of the folks in power who are really doing all this work, they just put money over morality. And this is something we know. I feel like this is something, even my mom, she'll like say that. She'll be like, they don't care about people. They just care about money. Like this is, these are things that people say a lot about the government. And I would say these are true observations. But what pains me is it also feels like no one's really doing anything about that. Everyone just is complaining, but taking no action. And I feel like part of where that comes from is the feeling of we can't do anything about it. Therefore, like, why participate at all? Which is why it's really important for me to hang on to these, this type of discussion where, for example, that quote I mentioned from Eugene Kung, where it was like, if it's not 100% completed, we're not giving up. And that kind of motivational speak, because I so badly don't want to become like my mom, where it's like complaining all the time about what's going on, but you're not doing anything about it. If everyone did that, our world would be so much worse off. Like we have so like the 40 hour work week is a lot, but it was so much worse before people actually stood up and did something about it. And I think the people who are fighting indigenous um, water protectors, land defenders, who are protecting most of the resources because they have that spirit of being motivated to fight for what's right. And other people don't do that. And it's really frustrating. fucking annoying. It's really frustrating. It's really annoying. You were saying earlier, like, you don't know if you have the, the words to, like, even describe how we feel about it. And I, I, I totally hear that because all I want to say is, like, I'm really fucking frustrated. Like, and I'm really upset and sad. And that's not the half of it. Like, how I can even express that. Yeah, it's, it's honestly really hard to bring the words to, to even justify frustration in a certain way. Um, because of how large the scope is and how much nuance there is with it. You know, the, the average everyday people that did nothing, um, you know, the elected chiefs who, or well, quote-unquote elected chiefs, who, um, you know, basically just sold their people's lands um, for profit. You know, the Canadian government that's supposed to represents our voices um it's just it's it's tough and like you know what you're saying about with your friend looking at bc and just seeing dollar signs like i mean yeah i guess sometimes it's hard for us to fully realize here in ontario especially um especially being in toronto um and even to a certain degree i think uh vancouver has this as well you know being in such a metropolitan area it's like almost the entirety of the labor that that's there um and you know the the culture and sociology that comes out of that is white collar it's overwhelmingly um sort of focused in your labor and the resources that create the wealth of the province or that community like with the city um is the stuff that comes out of your brain or is theoretical it's non-tangible um for the most part but like you know just with like the bread basket and you know the oil fields and the prairies and the rockies like the the wealth of those provinces 
come from the ground. They come from tangible things. They come from natural resources. And so, you know, British Columbia is almost in its entirety, the wealth of that province comes from natural resources. It comes from lumber um, and it comes from agriculture and it comes from oil. And uh, the, the fact that oil is one of them is, is more of a new thing. Um, it's, it's becoming a serious issue because there isn't the infrastructure for that. But also, when looking at you know, the value that comes from each of, these, each of these provinces and stuff, you know, oil might be lucrative, but our government, the one that is, you know, spearheading this project, has committed to, quite simply put, has committed to not consuming any more fossil fuels by 2050, right? So, like, if that's the case, if, if they're not consuming any fossil fuels by 2050, and we have delayed this project for so long, it's not going to be finished for another decade. That gives, what, like, less than 20 years before the commitment of this. So, and, and then looking at the environmental impact, looking at the materials used just to build it, mm -hmm. you know, it, it almost makes you wonder, like, on, on an economic scale, either... It's not worth it in the slightest, or the government is lying to us about its commitment to the reduction of fossil fuel consumption. Mm -hmm. Like, there's no other way of seeing it. Mm -hmm. So this is a huge worrisome, not just for indigenous peoples and not just for the people of BC. This is an issue that really targets all of us. Yeah. I... Amen to that, because I've been saying, like, in conversations where I bring up the pipeline, I'm like, this isn't in line with our zero emissions by 2050 goal, because if the ideas were, the goal is we're moving towards sustainability, that's the point of the goal, we're moving towards um, a greener future, a more environmentally friendly future. What I think, and I think I've maybe said it on the podcast before, but what I really think it is, is just developing your relationship with nature and decolonizing your relationship with nature. But they clearly don't have that. Like, they're extremely spiritually corrupt, in my opinion. They're extremely morally corrupt. And it's quite simple. Like, do the right thing. But what's tangling them and what's making that difficult for them is their desire for profit, greed, all these things that my mother would call demonic and in this context i find it very powerful for myself to call it that um and see it through that lens because that's really what it feels like um and i think that exactly what you're saying is right i i've seen ads i think when i was traveling to the u.s there were ads on the way back to canada that were like oh canada is a leader in um, climate efforts and then you just see videos of like beautiful trees beautiful water all this stuff and i'm like bro you guys are really gonna create this video with this like beautiful water when the woods there's people like you can literally drink out of it like people go to that water they drink out of it they say it's a spiritual experience to have that moment and relationship with nature and then you're going to build something that could potentially destroy the whole river and has already ruined salmon populations there 
like just by yeah. sake of it being built that makes zero sense like it's so stupid yeah no it's it's just it's it's purely fucked up and that's kind of like you know i went to the uh september climate rally um with uh another one of the uh scm staff uh johannes who mm. will surely be on the show at some point soon um you know and one of the public speakers uh you know very clearly stated uh you cannot be a climate activist and you cannot truly care about climate change unless you also recognize especially in canada that it is um an indigenous rights issue as well mm-hmm. it is about land sovereignty it is about um the empowerment of indigenous people mm-hmm. and that has to be a part of climate justice um it, it quite simply must be in canada specifically and that's kind of why i'm starting to think or not even starting to think it's like i'm, I'm truly understanding that like the Canadian government, specifically, I'm going to say, in its, you know, in, in the binary two-party system that we pretend we are, um, with the Liberals and the Conservatives, uh, we will never be a climate-focused nation. Mm. We never will be, because, quite simply put, as long as we stay in that, you know, two-party mindset um, on a national level, specifically... Um, we're never going to be that because they're never going to give a fuck about indigenous people. Mm. The fact is, you know, uh, you know, looking at how this overlaps with so many other things and how it all kind of comes together, um, you know, with the recent death of the queen, uh, there's a lot of people in Canada, specifically there's a lot of white people in Canada that are like, let's get rid of the monarchy. We don't need the monarchy. The monarchy is dumb. It's outdated. Fuck the king. Honestly, let's be real, fuck the queen, you know, and, and I mean, like, I, I appreciate that mentality. Um, I really do. I mean, like, you know, the, the fact is, is that, uh, you know, that figurehead position is a figurehead of imperialism and genocide and suffering of many people across the world, specifically brown, black, and, um, Honestly, I, I, who who hasn't been fucked by the uh, by the British Empire, um. But the fact is, is that, you know, as as much as I love that mentality, um, every single Indigenous treaty mm. is signed with the Crown, and that's why we're seeing a lot of Indigenous people now, especially content creators, social influencers, um, you know, online are specifically telling these folks. We cannot get rid of the monarchy in Canada because as soon as we give our government position a position or a, a permission to do that, um, we are negating every single treaty that protects Indigenous land rights. Mm. So as soon as this idea is brought up to a referendum, if it is supported, we know that the Canadian government might actually take it, because not because they don't want the monarchy anymore, but because it gives them an excuse to further fuck over Indigenous people. I've never heard that perspective before, so I'm really glad you shared it, because I never really thought about it from that lens in terms of um, the legal implications of that. Do I actually see the Canadian government doing that? To be honest, no, unless it's, like, mutual, and the British monarchy is like, sure, we don't care at this point, which I don't know if they would be, Um, because I feel like they're so 
insignificant. Like, I feel like they don't make important decisions, again, unless it, like, will financially benefit them. Um, so, actually, I used to think that, but you saying that, like, oh, it might, it could actually be used as a weapon to um, negate treaty rights. I, that's the only framework in which I see them potentially actually doing that. But then I'm like, oh, that's actually so bold as fuck, though. Like, I feel like that would... But then there's so much other bold things they're doing that nobody cares about. So maybe they know they could get away with it. Um, so yeah, that's a really interesting perspective. And I'm really glad that you brought that up. I wonder if people notice, though, that the Canadian government is the same thing. Like, the Canadian government is just an extension of that um, <laughs> fuckery. <laughs> yeah. I hear that, what, what, a narrative that's going on in my... I just have to voice this. A narrative that's going on in my head right now as we talk about this is I think about um, activists who have such, like, motivational speeches, uh, environmental activists, and then we're just like, yeah, everything's fucked. <laughs> like... And it's literally how I feel. Like, I'm not going to put flowery, flowery language around it. If anyone knows or has been involved in an SCM group I've facilitated, I'm just very straight up. And there's, there's nothing, again, there's nothing beyond, like, you, we know what the right thing is to do. It seems like a lot of people do, but they just won't do it. Like, I want to bring up Dave frickin' McKay, the CEO of RBC. And again, it's to me, as someone who sees the world from a spiritual point of view at times, it's it's such an obvious example of how someone's spirit is so, like... I just imagine, like, a shriveling, rotten fruit is, like, really how I imagine it. Mm -hmm. Because he there was an article in the Toronto Star, and he was talking about how he's actually seeing what people are saying about RBC and the wrongs that they're committing. And he's like, oh, I think, he says something like, I think in my position, I could do something about it. But it's like, bro, yes. Like, you're the CEO of RBC. Like, if you can't do shit about something that RBC is funding, then, like, the fact, okay. Mm -hmm. The fact that so many on-the-ground activists, indigenous people, marginalized people who do hold power, but based on the current economic system we live in, the socio-political system we live in, it's framed so that they wouldn't have power. And yet they were able to delay something for years. They were able to do all these things by sheer will, by sheer dedication, by sheer um, just that desire to do that and like putting in that type of work. And you with all this power that can make these calls is like, I think I could maybe do something. Like, bro, you could. You just literally have to say, okay, we're not funding this anymore. Um, it's Maybe as simple as that. It's as simple as that. Like, do something about it. Take a stand. Where's your morality? And I say this out of pain, but I also say it out of compassion because, again, like, I feel like everyone should have the power to thrive, to be happy, should be able to unite their spirit with God, be able to do God's goodwill. Amen. Hallelujah. And the way that Dave McKay's spirit is right now is, like, very corrupt it's very sad to see it's very much is giving product of white supremacy and colonization mentalities um and obviously same with justin trudeau and people who are in power who are kind of having a double face and not even acknowledging that a there's a right thing to do here and that's to stop the oil pipeline stop investing in these dumbass things and and like that's the right thing to do and two you have the power to actually do that People who have less social um, currency think, like, have the motivation to feel like they have the power to stop this, and you don't. Like, 
what pardon yeah i think it, it you know starts to make a little bit more sense of as to why um in the gospels you see uh jesus specifically calling out bankers and moneylenders all the time um as the most evil people within uh his own society um yeah not much has changed mm. it's kind of one of those things i i you know i guess there's i mean there's a lot of you know jokes that can be made about whether bankers even have souls um or whether they've been sold for um corporate bailouts um but it's just exactly it's exactly that it's it's the people that have the power to do and create the most change are the ones that are benefiting the most from the current way things are so it's never going to happen if we rely on them yep. or if we rely on the current power structures um you know the only time something's going to change is if that power is redistributed somehow mm. i'm not going to i'm not going to specifically say how right now um because this is going to be published content on the internet forever but um yeah unless that power is redistributed towards the people to agree on an ethical consensus then it's just not going to happen i think me and dunk have very different frameworks of how do we approach and understand these issues mainly because one issue i have actually included it in a zine that we create our eco justice group for scm created um which i don't remember if it actually was included in here but we had this question of like can we save the climate within this economic system of capitalism because um actually i was reading the harvard business review on climate change because i thought that was extremely interesting because it's it's a book about business. It's like pro-business, pro-capitalism. But then they're talking about climate change, which I found really interesting. So I wanted to read and see their perspective. Mm -hmm. And one of the first things it says in the book is that preserving the climate um, is actually in, con in tension with capitalism because the goal of capitalism is to produce as much profit as possible, like as quickly as possible. Um, whereas, and like growth, whereas in order to save the planet, that's going to be in contradiction to those goals. Mm -hmm. um, but that's really frustrating because I don't see a big change in our economic system at the speed in which current issues need solving. So my intention is that how can things change within the system that exists now enough so that real everyday individual people can be like, for example, we're talking about Watsuitin. Like there are people, human beings, who live there, who are camping there, who drink from that river, drink that water, and I don't give a shit what these bigger um, systems are right now because this feels so immediate that it feels as though, again, I say, I'm like, so many people know this is wrong, but they don't do shit. And I feel like if everyone was just like, yes, this is wrong and put enough pressure on current people in power, even though long term, these issues are going to keep coming up because as Dunk is saying, like people in power aren't going to like these issues aren't going to be solved if we keep going in the system that we've created, because in the system, those things can't flourish. Morality can't really flourish in the system. Um, but right now with this specific issue, like I still have hope that they'll stop the pipeline with enough pressure. I still think that because I can't, if I think something else, I'm going to like explode. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
sigh. Sigh indeed. Um, and I did mention the eco justice zine, so I wonder if we want to go through it, talk about it, um, because like I've been saying, I get a lot of anxiety, a lot of frustration when it talk comes to eco justice and just things that go wrong in the world. Like I feel it heavy. I get really fucking annoyed. Um, but before that, Dunk, I want to obviously offer more space here. Like if there's more you want to say, because I don't want to be like, let's talk about this now. Uh no, I think I think we should definitely talk about uh the zine, which I think uh by the time the episode is up, there should be an online version on our website, which we'll link down in the show notes. If there's not, it's because Divi had too much on their plate and I'm gonna need some forgiveness there. Um yes. but if you really wanna see this zine, um literally DM SCM Canon and be like, yo, I just listened to the podcast, so where's the zine? Divi get on that <laughs> and that might push me if it's not up by the time this is up yeah and i mean if not then you know whichever whichever uh i guess episode that it is ready for we'll we'll highlight that and mm. put it in the show notes yeah so the zine is called help climate change is scaring me which came from my heart that title <laughs> um and me myself johannes who is the York coordinator right now, and Emma, who was in our Queen's University chapter, I guess you could call it, um, but she was really the only person from Queen's who was coming to our SCM meetings, so she is the Queen's chapter, but mm-hmm. us three had these eco-justice meetings together, along with a few others who would trickle in as well, and we were able to just like com- make a compilation of all of, well, I'll read the subtitle. It's a compilation of resources, anxieties, questions, and solutions to facing the climate crisis. Um, So we put all that in a zine to express ourselves. And honestly, it was really cathartic for me at the time. And now I'm frustrated again. So I got to keep coming back to to it and reading it. Mm -hmm. It's about a give and take, right? Yeah. Were you able to go through it, Dunk? How do you feel about the zine? Yeah, I mean, I didn't... uh, There's like a few, like... QR codes for like digital resources at the end and I haven't checked them out yet but kind of like read through everything else I don't know I I I quite I quite enjoy zines Mm. um you know that like whole punk DIY idea is actually a really large uh inspiration for like new media stuff that you like self-publishable content you know YouTube uh um Facebook, you know, anything where you can post your own thoughts as both a user and a creator. Like a podcast? Yeah, like a <laughs> podcast. Um, so yeah, it's, uh, you know, zines kind of started that in a way um, with the punk movement, kind of that do-it-yourself, do you know, basically just for as cheaply as possible being able to put your own voice out there in the medium that is of the current day, which is magazines and newspapers. Mm. Um, so the fact that it was a zine, I think, is really... Um, I I just like that in and of itself because it really does remind me of the fact that if you know if if we want something to actually be done about mm-hmm. climate change, we need to take the power and we need to take that narrative and put it in our own hands. Mm. Anyway, what I, again? This this we didn't talk about this before, but this like theme of power. And again, like people who aren't supposed to be holding any social currency mm-hmm. or anything are the ones who are pushing so that shit actually gets done. And then the people who are supposedly do have this all this power and this social currency or whatever to make change, 
they don't they don't do shit precisely anyways i mean thanks for free weed justin trudeau but like <sighs> indigenous sovereignty please mm, please as a treat a little cherry on top um <laughs> but yeah anyways i'm really fucking mad um and this scene reflects that mm-hmm. um but it also has some like healthy coping mechanisms as a section um and i actually wonder if we can go through that because i actually feel like i need that right now <laughs> um definitely deep breaths y'all deep breaths yeah uh so if you're as mad as i am maybe some of these can help so number one in our healthy coping mechanisms for facing eco-anxiety is don't avoid it i know it's hard but even you reading this scene is a great step it says and uh, i say this with a grain of salt because sometimes you do need to avoid things like you need to watch your show and not think about Mm -hmm. climate change like obviously but don't ignore it 24 7 yeah yeah if you ignore ignore a problem Mm. it doesn't go away exactly But sometimes you need to rest and recharge before you can deal with that problem facts also think about this you're putting more of a burden on activists because now they have to carry more of the weight (laughs) exactly (laughs) sorry if that's a little harsh the power yes i hope no one's being like really upset by me because again i'm coming from a place of frustration right now so i do apologize if it's coming through a little too strongly but whatever you can do even again getting involved in sem and voicing your concerns is a great way a great start actually you know what um if if you are upset um (laughs) don't don't listen to divvy's apology just get really (laughs) mad about this particular episode of this podcast and share it with everyone and get them Ooh, to listen to it. it. Hate, yeah, yeah, exactly. Hate share it. Hate share it. <laughs> um, yeah. I'm, what would make, if you want to get back at me for making you mad, what would make really mad, me really mad is if you made this episode really popular and embarrassed me. That would be great. Yeah, Divi also like really hates praise. So I if hate you rate the episode praise. five stars or rate the podcast five stars, um, that'll really, really grind their gears. Get me going. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, What's your relationship with this do not avoid thing? I feel like you added a nice thing to that of like rest and then tackle it when you're ready. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's it's kind of like, I don't know. I mean, you know, it, it kind of reminds me of like a video game, right? Like I can, you know, sometimes if I'm, you know, facing a really hard level or like facing mm-hmm. off against like a really tough boss or whatever the fuck, <laughs> um, you know, sometimes it's like if I if I just get really, really bad tunnel vision, um, then I just get more frustrated and just get worse at it, and mm. it just it just becomes a, a whole snowball of emotions that just is frustrating, and I hate it. Mm. Like um, the League of Legends toxicity that I face. Sorry, I don't I don't play League of Legends. I know I that's sex. why I'm relating it to what I play. <laughs> League of Legends players out there, you yeah. know what we're talking about. Yeah, sorry, I had friends in high school. Um, um, for your information, I did have friends in high school. Okay, anyways, online friends don't count. But anyway, um, but anyway, as I was saying, though, like, um, you know, but here's the thing, right? Like, if I if I go to take a break, you know, relax, rest, recharge, don't think about it for a while and then come back with like a fresh, clean slate, Mm. um, you know, it's a lot easier. Mm -hmm. But if I just avoid it forever, Mm. then I don't get to enjoy the rest of the game. Mm. It's just it's an abandoned game. And then I feel like, oh, I never finished this game. I wasted my money or, oh, I've never finished this game. what a beautiful metaphor. Right? So modern. Mm-hmm. So hip with the kids. 
a video yeah. game metaphor. That's what the teens say nowadays. Yeah. Yeah. When I do the Fortnite, sometimes I don't get the chicken dinner. <laughs> I don't even know if that's a Fortnite thing. I don't know what I that means, a... but we'll go. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's PUBG, I think. PUBG, you get like winner, winner, chicken dinner. You're ruining our rep with the kids. You're starting to make it sound like we don't know what we're talking about. Yeah, we don't know what we're talking about. Okay. Well, either way, just don't avoid it. And mm-hmm. if confronting it throws you into whirlwind, I would highly recommend assessing that whirlwind. What is the? Is it a level five uh, hurricane Ian level whirlwind? Ugh, we could have a whole podcast about that situation. Yeah. Or is it like a little bit of rain? Because a little bit of rain, a little bit of frustration is valid. You can't expect yourself to react any other way to bad news. If if you're really confronting the hard truths, you're gonna be frustrated. That's mm-hmm. how it goes. Um, and then that can be a good fire energy motivator to make change. But if it's a level five Hurricane Ian and you need to seek mental health help, please 100%. go do that. Because <laughs> right. I do sometimes. Yes. Number two. Number two. Sing it, Dunk. What's number two? Oh, I thought I was just going to like do the, do the like announcer voice for the numbers. Oh, you can do that. Go ahead. Yeah, I'll do the, I'll do the announcer voice for the numbers and then you read off the little thing. Oh. Oh, I read it. <laughs> Clearly we've rehearsed this. Teamwork. I'm going to sing them. Maintain health. <laughs> Okay. Maintain a healthy, healthy connection, connection to the, the natural, natural world. <laughs> Yo, look at that harmony. Okay, let's go. Debbie <laughs> and Doug, new band. Okay. Um, take a walk in nature, plant some bok choy, watch the sunrise. I know, like, it feels like guidance counselor telling you to, like, drink some tea and relax, which is, like, shut the fuck up. You don't know my struggles. That's not going to help me. But honestly, studies show that connection to the natural world is good for you. And especially with the climate crisis, it's contradictory, or it feels contradictory for it's par- paradoxical that the same thing that's, like, causing such anxiety in you, something that has to do with the environment could then bring you peace by putting placing yourself in the environment but it actually really does like i'm a nature bitch so i love being in nature i love watching the sunset yes i know i'm basic but i like it how do you feel about nature dunk um i mean i quite love nature um, and nature loves I... you wow <laughs> got a warm fuzzy feeling inside that's good um i mean I mean, yeah, like, I guess in a certain way, like, it does sound kind of hokey, and it does mm-hmm. kind of make you feel a little bit like, uh, you know, really bad mental health professionals. Like, <laughs> hi, I'm having a manic episode, and I need, Drink like, some water. you know, psychiatric attention. Have you tried yoga? Yeah. Um, you know, it's not great, but, like... Some of these things work, y'all. Put it this way, even if, even if your own mental health is not the biggest concern, or if you feel self-conscious about the idea of, um, you know, taking care of yourself by going into nature or whatever, um... At the very least, at least the way that I kind of, when I'm suffering with climate anxiety, mm. specifically, um, is, uh, you know, going out and appreciating nature and going back to nature, as the romantics would say. Um, not that you should be, uh, you know, some, some dude hiking up a mountain and, like, looking at a cliffside and having some dude paint you in oils, but, um, you know, the idea is, like, getting immersed in nature and, and, and appreciating the beauty of it reminds you of what you're fighting for Mm. yeah i would my another helpful framework for me is actually i was so i was i went to church today on the rare occasion i go to church and i went to first lutheran in toronto pastor Ralph carl preaches there and he was preaching there today 
And he said that we are not above nature. We're part of it. We're just, we're different than other forms of nature. Like we can't mouse like a mouse can mouse and mice, mice can't human like humans can human. Um, so we're, we're not, but we're not above mice. We're just different. We occupy our own space. We have our own skill set. Um, and I think in our colonized mind, we forget that we're literally nature ourselves. Like you are mm -hmm. the breath of nature in yourself. And if you're disconnected to the natural world, you are disconnected from yourself. I was talking earlier about people not being in the right spirit, people not being like, again, that visual of just a dried rotting fruit. And I feel like part of maintaining a healthy spirit is being full, being being one with yourself. And part of that is being with nature because you are nature. Mm -hmm. 100%. We are all nature. We, we are not. There is no human supremacy above other, other animals. Um, yeah. No know. matter what early, not early Christianity, but Constantinian Christianity. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I mean that that it's as simple as that. I mean, even Catholicism, you know, it's it's that idea of like you know humans have dominion over the animals, you know, because mm -hmm. Adam named all the animals, sort of. Um, but part of eco justice and part of fighting for that is animal liberation, mm. um, at least the way that I see it. Yeah, and um, I'll like add on to that as well. The idea that we're supposed to be maintaining, caring for, keeping nature, not having dominion over it, like we can abuse and use it, and we own it. Again, that's one of the patriarchal elements of Christianity, like the head of the household, the male head of the household. Mm -hmm. Therefore, you own your wife and children as property. You can use, abuse them in whatever way is preferable to you versus the way of looking at like, I am here to serve and care for my family is a totally different way of looking. Precisely so. Yeah. yeah. Stewardship. Stewardship. All right. Number three. Find a community. <laughs> Community. We can't use these as real clips because these are just awkwardly me singing these. Are you kidding? This is going to be the headliner. <laughs> Finds a community. So, of course, obviously we're biased. SCM is our community. I started the Eco Justice Group because I was fucking stressed, dude. Yep. And I was like, guys, is anyone else stressed? Can you guys like talk with me about it? Like, I need a community. I need help. And then there was people. And then we talked about it. And that helped. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. SCM's really helpful for that. Mm -hmm. Especially because we can work on projects to do that together and actually like do things that make a difference. Unlike you just sitting in your room stressing about something. Mm -hmm. yeah 100% yeah I found that like you know online vegan communities can be really helpful for mm. dealing with climate anxiety mm, that's good uh, do you have any yeah. specific recommendations for those uh you know what I have I have the opposite of a recommendation oh. I have a condemnation oh I'm gonna say here as as because I see so much relation and like you know a lot of people like the, the fact that I mentioned I'm vegan here is like the first time I think I mentioned this on the podcast mm, yeah um and there's been a clear reason why, and that's because of the the, the association that the, the vegans get and such, um, which is not completely unwarranted. There are some whack ass people out there. Um, but, Do you eat honey? No, I don't. Okay. Um, and I'll, I can I can say why in a bit. But like, um, what I'm just gonna say very clearly here, um, with the with the vast majority of vegans supporting the statement that I'm gonna say, fuck PETA. Fuck PETA. 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 PETA has killed more animals really in the past week 
than your local kill shelter oh, really? has probably killed in the past year. I didn't know that. Yeah. PETA fucking sucks. All of those like PETA like ad campaigns and like demonstrations and shit, other vegans or more responsible vegans um, hate that shit just as much as you, if not maybe more. Hmm. Because what they do is they give animal liberation a very bad name because they're a stupid for-profit corporation. I didn't know a lot about PETA, so thank you for educating me. Yeah, straight up, fuck PETA. If you're going to support something, support something local, support something that is actually doing work, or something anarchist like the Animal Liberation Front. Um, yeah. Speak your truth, Dunk. Yeah. Anyway, um, as to honey, um, most honey that you buy in the grocery store uh, comes from honey farms, like industrial mm. honey farms, and like most industrial farming, unfortunately. Um, what's cheaper than taking care of bees year-round um, is to, at the end of a harvest season, just kill all the bees. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, fuck the bees. I'm just kidding. Well, that's the thing, right? We're all talking about, oh, the bees are disappearing. Oh, we got to save the bees. We got to save the bees. Why are the bees disappearing? Hey. We're murdering um, them. Yeah, we're not helping. Mm. Buying honey is not helping, even though you've seen a lot of ads recently, probably, saying, buy honey, support bees. Yeah, don't do that. If there was a place that you... Sorry, we're going off the rails here. Maybe I should not continue asking. This will be... An... You know what? We should have another episode about veganism. We probably should, because okay. honestly, at least for me, it, it comes from a very theological standpoint. Oh, I would love to hear about that. Yeah, we'll have to do that and ask you questions. Episode. Okay, we're we're gonna yeah. stop the vegan train right now because we're getting off the rails. We should definitely rename this podcast once again to Off the Rails. But anyway, Off the Rails. <laughs> off and the we rails. go through. Imagine we just rename the podcast every time we have an idea for another name. <laughs> like every two months, the name changes. Yeah, we're like that one really <laughs> shitty indie band in your local town, mm. where it's like every time they 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 perform at the local bar, they have a new name. This is what happens when one of your co-hosts has ADHD and the other one has BPD. Yeah, the name of the podcast is gonna change. <laughs> yeah, rebrand every month. Let's go <laughs> continuity. I don't know her. Okay, but what? Right. Okay, right. we, we're kidding. Don't worry, we'll be yeah. Samaritan Subbox. Anyways, number four. Take action. <laughs> <coughs> oh my god, take action and exercise your power. Power. What is a particular issue that you're drawn to? Are there other communities working on this issue? Do they have action items on their website that you can follow? Race here MP, volunteer with the climate justice group. Do something, bitch. You can do something. I believe in you. And if you don't know what to do, see back to number three. Find a community and figure that out together. Mm -hmm. Or if you live by a pipeline construction, blow Maybe? up a bulldozer. I don't know. Dunk, we can't say that. You're right. You're right. Just put sand in the gas tank. Does that do something? I don't know. It about... makes it not work. But it doesn't like blow things up, does no, it? No, it doesn't. That's the whole point. Okay, it just that's makes fine. it not work. That's fine. But if you get arrested, it's not our fault because yeah, for no, legal we... reasons. Yeah, for legal this reasons, was this was a joke. Yeah. <laughs> um, right. And that's all our coping mechanisms. I mean, it's not enough. It's not everything you need, but it's some bare bones skeletal things that I think are really important. Mm -hmm. You know what? I I have a little I have a little number five of my own. Oh, let's hear it. Little number five of my own. Um, don't internalize your own place in our society of consumption. Do not take ownership for the entirety of climate justice mm. upon yourself for occasionally using a plastic bag or a mm. plastic straw. Right. If you ever look at carbon footprints for material consumption, because it all comes down to material consumption, mm -hmm. you know, um, that's what we use for 
everything because we are material girls in a material world. We are living in a material world. Keep talking, I'll be back on music. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, yeah, straight up though. Like, the amount of carbon emissions that you are creating from a plastic bag is so significantly less mm. than what, say, Jeff Bezos. Jeff Bezos. Jeff Bezongos. Or, um, what was it? The, the, um, Mark Zucchini. Mark Zucchini, yes. Um, the Zuckbot. Um, or, or the, uh, the, yeah, elongated musket. I'm just naming a bunch um, of, yeah, rich basically all, all, yeah, all, all, of, all those people. <laughs> Anyone who's rich that can afford luxury. Precisely so. The, the Kardashians. The, yeah, the people that profit off of material consumption, let's say. Um, you know what they their their carbon emissions from their companies and from their profit per second is more than what most of us will consume in a lifetime facts um you know also <laughs> yeah don't feel bad about occasionally having to use a plastic bag or if you say can't afford sustainable um or reusable products uh the fact is is that carbon emissions from a like metal straw is the equivalent of about 7,000, like, paper straws oh. and even more plastic straws because plastic straws are less uh, than paper straws uh, for a um, carbon emission point of view. Mm -hmm. um, but obviously one stays in the world a lot longer. Mm -hmm. um, but the thing is, like, you think about the amount of straws you have in your lifetime. Do you think you get up to 7,000? Probably not. Mm. Um, I think it's like over a hundred thousand for like a you know one of those canvas tote bags, is the equivalent of like over a hundred thousand, like plastic grocery bags. Wow! Like it's more than what most people will use in their lifetime. I didn't know any of this. This is fascinating. Yeah. So I I always think I I I mean I have so before I knew this I I had bought so many reusable mm. grocery bags and like tote bags and all that, um because I'm like I'm saving the environment uh, right. as as a naive child. Um, I just had this like, kind of this, this idea in my, in my head of like, you know, on my deathbed, you know, all of my like children and grandchildren are <laughs> gathered around me and I'll just hand out these tote bags and be like, finish what I started. <laughs> we need to use the equivalent of this many plastic bags left. Right. I want to, I kind of want to speak to this because one thing that we know is that when you look at material consumption, who consumes the most it is the rich who consumes mm -hmm. the least is the poor that is also one of the re reasons why overpopulation isn't a, really a significant threat to climate change is because a lot of the overpopulation is happening amongst poor communities and they're not consuming a lot of materials um but i do want to add to that like yes 100 percent, keep that in mind and i think that you should use that as a reminder again like what are what are you fighting for you should fight so that everyone can have the opportunity to have a relationship with a world that is not destructive i think that you know if if the rich it's about context like if the rich thought 
oh, well, it doesn't really matter if I, you know, take my private jet to whatever because everyone, all the other rich people are doing it. It's like, if they thought like that, that shows, again, a corruptness in their spirit and their relationship with nature, in their relationship with how much they consume, how much waste they produce. And I think, like, if you are feeling that guilt, that's totally fair, but that just means you have a conscious and conscience and, like, good for you. But like Dunk's saying, like, in terms of actual impact it's having, I think you can spend a better amount of time joining a community and fighting for these issues than like stressing about paper bags or plastic bags. Yeah. Either or. Um, Yeah. That's the thing. Like you don't need to be stressing about those little things as much as media tells you to, because let's be real. Who is paying for that media? Who is influencing it? It's the people that are really responsible for the climate change. And they're trying to put that ownership back on you guys. Mm. Um, it's the same reason why people who profit off our labor um, blame us and our avocado toast for not being able to finance a home. Mm. It's kind of one of those things. The Don't, don't internalize things. Mm. Um, also, the best thing that you can do as an individual is to vote, which I'm saying purely because it's coming up to election time here in Toronto. There are a lot of mayors. Local government is actually very, very important for a lot of these things. So, like, vote with your heart. Vote with your conscience. Maybe don't vote for John Tory. Are we yeah. getting political up in here? Like, explicit. we've been political. But I mean, we've like, we say in names right now? I said maybe. Oh, yeah. You did I say maybe. maybe. For legal reasons. Yeah. <laughs> we are a non... What is the word? We were supposed to be like not for either or party. Unbiased? No. Nonpartisan? Yes. Nonpartisan. We are nonpartisan. But also, it's important. Like, I, w- okay, I was part of this Eco Justice Club where we wrote letters, and it was like along all party lines, the goal is be life giving to the earth. Don't be depleting the earth of its resources. All these basic things. It's like, yeah, you can be nonpartisan, but clearly, if a party is doing a bunch of bullshit and like, just i was gonna say something that i'm not gonna say if being disrespectful to the earth not treating the earth like the lady she is um then that's a problem and we can call that out so Mm -hmm. period i also love the idea of like yeah we are a non-partisan radical left christian podcast well (laughs) give us those grants government (laughs) give us those grants also write us a check pay my rent no, and honestly, we'll say facts. whatever you want us to say. No, uh, no, <laughs> no. But I will say it's funny. RBC was um, funds a lot. Actually, they like write a lot of grants for like. Oh yeah. Um, what's the word? Nonprofit guys. I'm so dead right now. I'm so tired. I'm sorry. They write a lot of because grants for non. It's a taxable benefit. What? It's a taxable benefit. What is? Oh, yeah, right, yeah. Donating to nonprofits, yes, yes, yes. yeah. 100%. But it's just, it's funny because they do donate a lot of money. Like, I was mm-hmm. at the the AGO, the Art Gallery of Ontario, for those non-Ontario folks out there. Um, and there was an exhibit on the Spanish Empire, including, like, stuff from the Philippines and stuff like that. And it was really interesting. And they were talking about, in a very, like, anti-colonial way. And it was, like, sponsored by RBC. It was one of the biggest sponsors. And I was just like, Wow. Give us money to talk shit about you, RBC. Yeah, please do. That'd be great. That'd be really nice. Um, what's your name again? Dave McKay. If you would like to... Ooh, Dave McKay, if you want a consultant on like how you can be a more moral 
like yeah if you want a fucking human conscience contact divi yeah i would love to be your consultant i would love to talk with you we can therapize not on your personal issues just the decolonial ones like i don't want to know about that stuff i'm not really qualified for the other stuff but yeah hit me up girl 50k (laughs) and you can donate it to scm so you can write it off the tax stuff like that's no problem silly divi thinking a bank ceo pays taxes I'm very naive. I don't know how the world works. I just know, I'm, I remind me of my mom a lot. Like, I don't know how the world works, but I just know what's right is right and what's wrong is wrong. And we gotta do what's right. And that's the end of the story. Yeah, and it's, it's, it's just about finding, like, from point A to point B. Exactly. Seeing how the world works and seeing what is right and what is wrong and making them synonymous. That's the goal. Synonymous? More like, never mind, I'm not gonna say it. I'll... It's fine. Guys, I'm having a hard time. <laughs> this just turns into my therapy session. I was like, Dave McKay, I'll give you therapy. And I'm like, guys, I'm struggling. Yeah. I'm so stressed. Mm-hmm. Dunk, are you stressed about this? How are you feeling? I mean, if, if I'm being fully honest, I, right now I'm, I am just feeling like my skull is about to crack open because ah, I'm okay. incredibly hungover. And I'm, meanwhile, my energy is like, Dunk, ah, and you're just like, Shut up. <laughs> I'm in pain. Anyway. This podcast episode went from point A to point Z like really fast. Yeah, it but really that's did. Us. Yeah. That's just how we roll. Vroom, this vroom. is how we do it. This is how we do it. If you want to contact SCM Canada for all your eco-anxiety needs, hit me up at info at scmcanada.org or if you want a faster response dm me on instagram because you know that's where i am at scm canada or twitter we also have a twitter dunk is on the wait are you on the twitter yeah i'm on i'm on the twitter i'm not on the twitter as often but shoot us a dm be like if you need help just be like help what's the name name of the name climate change is scaring me and you know what we'll put together a group we'll talk about it we'll figure some stuff out and we're not saying it's going to be the answer to all your problems we're not saying we're going to save the climate in our little group but we're doing something and that's what matters yeah we'll 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 provide something and hopefully it'll help yeah dave mckay if you want to fund this group uh, write a check scm canada um we would love that thank you mm-hmm. and until then eat a dick contentually if you would enjoy that and the other person would enjoy that I'm kind of hoping that Dave McKay doesn't enjoy it, to be honest. <gasps> I, 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 maybe instead of eat a dick, um, eat rocks. Oh, my sister loves to say eat rocks. Is that what eat the rocks. kids say these days? I don't know. Eat when rocks. I was a kid, people or say kick, kick rocks. rocks. Yeah. yeah. Oh, it's kick rocks. Yeah. Not uh, eat kick rocks. rocks. <laughs> kick rocks. Unless you want to reach out mm-hmm. and write us a check or come to me to talk about your morality. Mm-hmm. Like, as if I'm like... <laughs> And come the to me if you want a sharp smack in the head. They're going to say if you want to eat a dick. <laughs> <laughs> no, thank you. <laughs> and on that note, this has been Samaritan Soapbox. <laughs> oh my goodness, yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm Dunk. They them pronouns. I'm Divi. Been that bitch. <laughs> oh my god. They them pronouns, girl. All right, and until next time. We love. I'm bye. Bye. <laughs> that was so chaotic. To all you Bible-thumping bastards waving red, white, and blue Better get with the program, thought you already knew That your Jesus was brown
Thank you for listening to this episode of the Samaritan Soapbox, brought to you by the Student Christian Movement of Canada. Special thanks to SCM York's partnership with St. Theodore of Canterbury Anglican Church and the Diocese of Toronto's Reach Grant. Jesus was a trans girl, this I know. For the Holy Bible tells me so. She had such long hair and a great big beard. And everyone around her thought that she was weird. And Jesus loved degenerates on this hill will die. All the trannies and queers were the apple of